Hello, hello. This is David back again with another episode of Blood and Fire Radio Podcast. This is episode number 60. And I'm going to go ahead and do a themed episode this time. I did put a post out on Facebook a few weeks back just kind of saying, you know, I'm overdue for a themed episode and what are some good theme ideas that you guys might want to hear. And I got some really good ones. Um... So it was tough to pick one to do first, and I plan on getting to all of them, actually. I got a handful of really good ones, and I'd like to do all of them. So if you uh, if you submitted an idea there, um, don't worry. I plan on getting to that theme eventually, because uh, there were really good ones on there that I probably wouldn't have thought to do. So, uh, But this one is going to be one-man bands, and even if um, they're bands that play live with like live members and things like that, or maybe it's a band that at one point was a full band but then over time it turned into a one-man band so there's some little variations here and there but for the most part these are bands that when you think of them you think of them as a one-man project um, so yeah that was a good suggestion so uh, we're gonna go ahead and roll with that so we're gonna kick things off out of Bergen in Norway this is Taka and Taka is one that uh, of course comes with their fair share of controversy especially in Central Europe um, there was one particular gig where the singer had a swastika painted on his chest uh, for sheer just shock value, and ever since then that band has uh, that's followed them around like a black cloud. Where uh, certain you know gigs that they try to play will get shut down because they're now uh, labeled as like a neo-Nazi band or something like that, which is not the case at all. But um, but yeah, they've run into a lot of issues ever since that gig, but. They're a great band, and uh, the main man, Host, he uh, does live vocals for several different uh, bands. He's done live vocals for Gorgoroth. I think he continues to be their live vocalist. And uh, he once sang for Ragnarok as well, but for the most part, people know him from his band, Taka. And um, over the years, it's kind of maybe lost a little bit of the folky touches in there like when I say folky I mean this is a it's a straight up black metal project but there were some kind of certain melodies used here and there that kind of had a folkier vibe to them and I'd say from their self-titled record onward is where they started kind of stripping down uh, those elements and keeping it more straightforward black metal so I'm going to play something off of that self-titled album which came out in October of 2008 on Svarte Kunst Productions and um I believe they're on Dark Essence Records now, but um, but yeah, this was the fourth album, and um, again, this is kind of where the sound started to change and started to strip down a little bit more, but the songs were great, and um, this was actually the first album of theirs that I actually purchased. I had heard uh, the older stuff prior to this, but actually, this is the first one that I bought and listened to quite a bit, so... Uh, but I'm going to play the opening cut off of that album. It's a really good tune with really good guitar work. And of course, the vocals are top notch. So here we go. From Norway, this is Take with Otternot.
Alright, that was Take with Alternat. Um, Alright, we're going to keep it in Norway here. There's going to be several Norwegian acts in this one. Um, this is the main man from Carpathian Forest. This is Nata Frost, and he's an interesting character. He, uh, I'm convinced that he's probably, or at least at one point, was a heavy drug user um, because he's just so weird. He's just so odd, and his performances have been so inconsistent over the years, and uh, his voice is all over the place. But when he's on, he's great. Um... I've been fortunate enough to see Carpathian Forest live in Norway, and they were phenomenal. And uh, But yeah, he released two uh, solo albums in the mid-2000s, and then he's done like an EP or two since then, but he hasn't done anything since 2009, because he's been a bit of a mess uh, <laughs> just in general, and Carpathian Forest completely fell apart and had to be rebuilt with a whole new lineup and stuff, and they're supposed to be releasing an album this year, but we'll see uh, if that comes to fruition. But uh, yeah, he hasn't done anything solo-wise as far as full lengths go since 2005. And um, the second one to me was not very good. He's a big fan of these little like um, these little pieces in between songs that are just kind of they're not songs; they're just sound effects or you know. There's, a, there's one called Nata Frost Takes a Piss, and it's literally just audio of him, like, unzipping his pants and taking a leak in the toilet and then flushing, and that's pretty much the whole song. Um, so he's a fan of that type of stuff, and it's, like, it's kind of funny, but then it just kind of gets old, and his second solo album to me is, is way too uh, chock full of that kind of stuff, and there's just not enough actual substance there. <laughs> so I always find myself going back to his... Um, debut full length which was called Blood and Vomit came out in February of 2004 on Season of Mist and I'm going to play what is probably his most well-known song from his solo work um, as much as I would like to kind of branch out and play something maybe a little less known um, there's no denying that this truly is one of the best songs on the record so I just felt like I would be doing everyone a disservice if I didn't play this tune because it's a good one it's a catchy one so uh, so yeah, here we go. From Norway, off of the album Blood and Vomit, this is Not to Frost with Sluts of Hell. <laughs> Yeah. 
right, that was Not the Frost from Norway with Sluts of Hell. Um, yeah, uh, Carpathian Forest released an EP uh, last year that was really just uh, one new song and a couple of, uh, of cover songs. And the cover songs were just kind of whatever, but uh, I did like the new song. Uh, it didn't really deviate much from the typical Carpathian Forest sound, but uh, I don't think the fans would really want it to anyway. So, uh, But yeah, I'm looking forward to the next full length there, because I don't think we're going to get any more solo Not to Frost stuff, but who knows. All right, we're going to go to Athens, Greece here. This one-man band is called Spectral Lore. And uh, this band or, you know, project has released three albums, and they've done a few EPs and a couple of splits as well. Uh, they haven't done a full length since 2014. Uh, and I'm going to play something off of that one, because uh, that to me is the best of the three. Uh, it's literally just called Three, and that came out in May of 2014 on I, Hanger Records. And... Um, it's, it's right in the wheelhouse of the stuff I like, where it's not quite black metal, not quite death metal. Um, it has a really kind of lo-fi production that's very full of reverb and things like that, so it kind of has that old-school death metal sound. And uh, I think the vocals are good. I think the songs can get a little too long. They're not uh, shy about doing really long tunes. But uh, this one's not so bad, but uh, it does have a bit of a lengthy section in the middle that's kind of ambient, uh, kind of noise type stuff, but then it kicks back in uh, later on, so just hang in there if that part is not your style. Uh, this tune is called Omphalos, and uh, I, there's a band called Crooks from Sweden that has the bass player from Candlemass, uh, among other uh, well-known musicians, but uh, that's just kind of a more traditional doom band, and they have a song called Omphalos as well. And... Um, so it instantly made me think of that band. But um, but no, this tune's really good. In particular, I like whenever it kicks back in out of that ambient noise section in the middle. Uh, from when it kicks back in there all the way through the end of the song, I really like the mood of that whole section, and the guitar work is great. Um, so yeah, that's what made me pick this one. But uh, the whole record's good, but again, the songs are lengthy, and um, so just be ready if you're going to check it out. So... All right, here we go from Athens, Greece, off of the album Three. This is Spectral Lore with Omphalos.
Alright. That was Spectral Lore with Omphalos. Um, I really like the mood of the second half of that song a lot. Um, okay, we're going to go back to Norway. I know this is the third time out of four songs, but... This project is out of Oslo, and it's the solo project of Fenris from Dark Throne. And uh, he did this project in the early to mid-90s, and hasn't uh, done anything since 95. The band is called Isengard. And, excuse me, Isengard was meant to be, um, basically, folk black metal, but not in the sense of, like, Fintroll or something like that. You know, he, he would uh, despise that type of comparison, but this is more like... More like a folkier version of, like, Bathory's uh, Viking era, you know what I mean? But he does kind of his operatic vocals and stuff, and it's all in Norwegian. But um, he's first to admit that he's just kind of flying from the seat of his pants with uh, half of these songs with the vocals and stuff. He kind of vaguely has a vocal melody in mind, but then he just kind of drinks a case of beer and then just whatever comes out comes out type thing whenever he recorded it but uh, he actually recorded this in the same space and at the same time as the drums for the uh, album Panzerfaust for Dark Throne so the drum sound is actually uh, almost identical well it is identical uh, as it is on Panzerfaust but um, but yeah he released uh, his first I thought it was a, a full-length album called Winterskuga and that came out in like 90 I want to say 92 and um, but it turns out that was just like an EP or a mini album or something so this is technically the debut um, was his second album called Host Morke and that uh, it means like autumn darkness and um, that came out in 95 on Moonfong Productions and the only reason it came out is because Seder from Satyricon uh, convinced him to release it he had these songs and Seder had heard them and liked them and said come on Record them, and I'll help you release them on my label, you know. So he did, and um, it's my favorite thing that he's released under the Isengard name. But, um, yeah, this one is the opening cut off of that album, and uh, it's called, like, Neslipox, which is not an actual word. It's uh, it's it's just a reversed version of, an, of a Norwegian word, uh, Skapelsen, which means... Um, like the creation or something like that so it's he just took that word and reversed it for some reason i don't know why he didn't do that with any other titles on the album but for whatever reason for this opening tune he had it backwards just for the hell of it but um but yeah i've played a tune off of this album before on an earlier episode and uh but i'm gonna go with the uh, the opening song this time around so here we go here is isengard
Isengard with uh, Skapelsen. I'm going to pronounce it the correct way instead of the reversed way. Uh, All right, we're going to jump to Sweden here. This is a band that uh, called it quits back in 2018, and this was just a one-man thing, but um, the band is Arcanum, and Arcanum is just a weird, weird black metal project, and um, real intermittent, like wasn't super consistent with releasing records, but... um, but the records were good, and they were just different. They were just strange, but in a good way uh, type stuff. And I've played uh, maybe one or two songs of theirs on previous episodes uh, over these few years. And uh, this one was actually given to me. This album was given to me uh, by my friend Floyd, who was just giving away a bunch of uh, albums of his to uh, friends. Because he had digitized everything uh, on his laptop or whatever, and then was just getting rid of all the physical copies. But whenever I was uh, at his house once before, he had told me that this album he was not going to be getting rid of because the the particular version of it that he had was uh, some sort of special edition that was limited to like 200 copies. And he just, I don't know, he thought that one was special and he wasn't going to get rid of that no matter what. And then randomly, whenever he sent me his list of albums and said, uh, what do you want? And I told him what I wanted, and he sent me those albums, plus he sent me this Arcanum record, which I thought was really strange. Um, but yeah, this was like his prized possession or whatever, and he just gave it to me, so I, uh, I treasure it because of that. So, But it's a great record, and um, came out in June of 2008. The record's called Anticosmos, and it was uh, the, the fourth album for Arcanum. Arcanum, and this was the first album since uh, 1998, so there was a decade gap in between uh, albums there. So this came out on Debra Morty Productions, and uh, it's a really great return for this project, and uh, it's a shame. I I remember checking in 2018, like checking if there was something new uh, that he had released or anything, and I saw that it was officially uh, listed as split up in 2018, so I was like, well, that sucks, but... But yeah, this record is great, and uh, it's a favorite of mine, probably because it was my first uh, of theirs to listen to. But um, but yeah, I don't know. Nostalgia is a powerful thing. <laughs> so here we go, off of the album Anti-Cosmos. This is Arcanum with Svarti. 
All right, that was Arcanum from Sweden with Svarti. I've always liked his vocals, and I'm not typically, like, if a vocalist is pretty one-dimensional and only really uses one voice, I'm usually not that big of a fan of it, but uh, something about his voice I like. But All right, we're going to go to the USA here out of Illinois. This band ended in 2002 whenever the, uh, the main man behind it uh, moved to Germany. He was just kind of overall disgusted with life in the United States and decided to get the hell out, so good for him because uh, it hasn't gotten any better since 2002. Um, they're kind of considered legends in the American black metal scene. This project is called Judas Iscariot, and for the longest time it was a one-man band, and then um, as time went by, he ended up getting a drummer who was a little bit more skilled than, uh, than him, so that drummer uh, participated on the last couple of EPs that were released uh, for this band. But uh, for the most part, it's, it had always been a solo uh, project. And then uh, whenever there would be a few very, very uh, scarce, you know, live performances with this, this band. But he would get some uh, friends of his, you know, from other uh, well-known uh, American black metal bands to fill in on the uh, other instruments. So he just did very few live performances. But... Um, Judas Iscariot has a lot of albums and a lot of EPs. There was, there was plenty of output there, um, but it all seemed to uh, vary wildly with both the production quality and just the quality of the songs. Um, but my favorite album by far was his fourth album called Distant in Solitary Night. came out in 1999. That remains my favorite album of his and uh, came out on Moribund Recordings, or Moribund Records, I guess. Um which I think is based out of Washington State, if I remember correctly. But um, but yeah, Distant and Solitary Night to me had the best production and the best songs and a great vocal performance as well. And uh, everything about this album is just more memorable to me than a lot of his other output. But um, So yeah, I'm going to play something off of that. So here we go from 1999's Distant and Solitary Night. This is Judas Iscariot with In the Bliss of the Eternal Valleys of Hate. Uh, in 
has begun. Run the fires. Conducted by fluid so pure. Load around the immense. The black bone of sin appear. Early upon the way. Judas Iscariot within the bliss of the eternal valleys of hate. We're going to keep it in the USA here and jump to Minnesota, although this project was originally out of Kentucky, and then he moved to Minnesota. Uh, The band is Panopticon, and that is the uh, project of Mr. Austin Lunn, who is also the uh, brewmaster and kind of co-owner of um, Hammerheart Brewing Company in, uh, in Minneapolis, or just outside of Minneapolis. But, um... Yeah, he's very well respected in the American black metal community and abroad as well because he's uh, spent time like in Norway uh, honing his craft when it comes to beer making and things like that. And um, he has made some strong friendships with uh, other bands in Germany and things like that. So, uh, yeah, he does splits with, uh, you know, foreign bands fairly often and just kind of seems to have the general praise and respect of a lot of uh, a lot of. of bands in that community, that black metal community, uh, you know, across the globe, really. So, uh, super nice dude as well. Um, I've chatted with him on a few occasions and been to his brewery and, and had some of his delicious beers. And, uh, but yeah, he, I believe now is kind of in charge of Bind Rune recordings. Like he was always on Bind Rune, um, but they kind of needed to change hands with who was running things. 
And uh, so I believe Austin kind of took the reins and is now kind of uh, one of the head honchos there for Bind Rune Recordings as well. So this album that I'm going to play a tune off of was called Autumn Eternal. And this album was the seventh album overall, came out in October of 2015. And I think that is the, let's see, oh no, there's been another full length since then, excuse me. But, um, But yeah, this one, I remember I was still living in Dallas at the time whenever this one was coming out. And uh, my roommate and I were uh, were listening to, they released a new song off of it, and we listened to it and uh, enjoyed it quite a bit. But um, I never ended up purchasing the album. I probably should, because the more that I've heard off of it, the more that I uh, enjoy it. But um, I have played Panopticon before on the podcast in an earlier episode, but uh, nothing off of this album. So this is actually the closing tune off of the album, and I just liked the the feel of it. It definitely feels like a good album ender Um but it's great. He, I like his. I've always liked his drumming style. He drummed on uh, my favorite Falls of Raros record as well. But, um, but yeah, he he kind of swore it would never be a live thing, and then recently, over the last few years, he's formed a really good live band that consists of uh, some of the better known people in the uh, black metal scene up in the north and northeast uh, part of the USA. So uh, he has some really good people in his live band. So it's kind of cool that he's out there playing live now. So. Uh, Okay, anyways, off of the album Autumn Eternal, this is Panopticon with The Wind's Farewell.
All right, that was Panopticon with The Wind's Farewell. We're going to jump to Germany now, to a one-man band called The Ruins of Beverest, and I actually played a song of theirs uh, maybe like ten episodes ago around there. But um, they released their most recent full-length in May of 2017, the fifth one overall, called Exuvia. And uh, it's a really interesting band because it's kind of doomy, but it's kind of just avant-garde and weird. And uh, the songs tend to be quite long. This one is fairly long. Um, but, yeah, the, the only word I can use to describe that band is interesting. And it's just one of those things that I don't go to often, but uh, when I'm in the mood for it, uh, it it's very good stuff. So, without further ado, I don't have much else to say <laughs> about this band because it's not one that I listen to often and, and I know a ton about the background and all that. I know that they do play live and they, they use uh, live members fairly frequently, but on the records it's just a one-man show. So, here we go, off of the album Exuvia. This is The Ruins of Beverest with Mare on a Stillbirth's Tomb. Thank you. 
Okay, that was The Ruins of Beverest with Mare on a stillbirth's tomb. That came out on Van Records, by the way. I don't think I mentioned that before. Um, okay, we're going to go to Sweden to uh, a band that I will always consider to be a one-man band, uh, and they really need no introduction, but it's Bathory. And Bathory, uh, you know, even though they had some other members in the 80s and things like that, um, whenever I think of Bathory and I think of uh, my favorite uh, era of Bathory, it would be the uh, middle period, that Viking era, and by that point it was a a one-man band with Quarthon. And um, one of my favorite albums of theirs is Blood on Ice, and Blood on Ice was actually recorded after the Blood Fire Death album, and, uh, and so this was meant to be released in like 1989, but they ended up uh, scrapping it, and then he kind of went on and did uh, the Hammerheart record and the Twilight of the Gods record, and then kind of went back and did some thrashy albums in the early 90s that were just not quite as successful. And, uh, and then out of nowhere, in 1996, uh, the album Blood on Ice was released. Uh, some of it was the original recordings, and some of it was... Uh, scrapped and redone and uh, so it's kind of a mix of those recording sessions but um, it's a concept album and it was the ninth album overall as far as like the order that it was released but uh, as far as when it was recorded it was the fifth album but uh, again recorded in 89 came out in May of 96 on Black Mark Productions but um, concept album it had great artwork great uh, storyline to it and uh, it's one of my favorite albums if not my my absolute favorite album uh, in the discography I have it on vinyl and listen to it uh, pretty regularly I can't remember where the hell I got it but it was somewhere when I was traveling out of state or out of the country or who knows where but um, but yeah it's one of my favorites so Lots of good tunes to choose from off of this record, but uh, I went ahead and uh, went with this one. A little bit of a longer song, but um, it just kind of really, given when it was recorded in 89, like you could absolutely see where his music was going to go from here. Uh, So that makes the Hammerheart and Twilight of the Gods albums just make uh, that much more sense, you know, listening to a song like this. So here we go off of Blood on Ice. This is Bathory with The Lake.
All right, that was Bathory with The Lake, one of my all-time favorite tunes off of my all-time favorite Bathory album. Okay, we're going to go back to Norway out of Bergen. This is uh, probably the most famous uh, one-man band in all of Norwegian metal. It's Burzum, and in 2011, Burzum released a compilation album that was actually... um, an album just full of re-recordings of classic tunes and this really got me excited because I liked Burzum's songs from the original recordings but I hated his vocals the really really awful shrieky vocals and uh, I just did not like them at all I felt like they ruined those songs and I know that I'm in the minority when I say that but um but yeah I was definitely excited to hear his newer uh, weaker <laughs> black metal voice uh, over these re-recordings of these old songs and the album uh, did not disappoint I did uh, purchase that one and uh, the songs sound great of course the production is uh, is even and consistent from song to song since it was all done in uh, the same session and all that and uh, vocals definitely sound a lot better but um, but yeah the album was called From the Depths of Darkness and that came out in November of 2011 on Billabog Productions and uh, my favorite song of his from uh, from back in the day was Spell of Destruction because I just loved the uh, that really just dark mid-paced kind of slower um, like emotion running throughout it and it just had this great mood to it and the the guitar parts are fantastic and uh, so yeah this version of it is definitely my favorite version so even though I might catch some flack for not playing the original version of this song I'm playing what I want to hear damn it so from the album from the depths of darkness this is Burzum with Spell of Destruction
That was Burzum with Spell of Destruction. Uh, we're going to go back to the USA here. Um, this project was originally out of California and then re had relocated to Oregon uh, over the years. The band is Leviathan, and they are kind of in that pantheon of uh, American black metal bands, um, along with like Zaster and uh, Judas Iscariot and a few others. But um, but yeah, like Krieg is another one that's uh, that's there. Knocked Mystium, they're kind of all in that same group, um, and they're all kind of friends and support each other and stuff like that. But uh, Leviathan was one that, over the years, it's been real hit and miss with me. Um, the stuff is not great at times, and then other times there's real, you know, flashes of brilliance there, especially on some of the more recent records. But um, one that really struck me was when I was in high school, I saw the album cover for this album, and it was uh, the debut album, came out in September of 03, called The Tenth Sublevel of Suicide, and that came out on Moribund Records. And uh, just that artwork uh, to me was was really striking, and I, I still one of my favorite album covers today. But um, the album itself is pretty good. I'd say it's probably 70-30, 70% good, and the rest of it's just kind of meh. But um, I've never been that big of a fan of his vocal style either. But um, but yeah, there's a few shining moments on this album, and uh, and I want to play one now. I played something off of a more recent album. Uh, not that long ago, but um, I wanted to do a little deeper dive into the older stuff here, and uh, this is one that, while it may not be my favorite uh, one-man band out there, there's plenty of people that really hold uh, this band in high regard. So, um, Did I even say the band name? I don't even know, but the band is Leviathan, <laughs> in case I didn't say that. But uh, but yeah, the debut 10th uh, sublevel of Suicide is still kind of hailed as a classic here, so I'm going to play one off of that. So without further ado, here is Leviathan with The Bitter Emblem of Dissolve. <laughs>
All right, that was Leviathan with the Bitter Emblem of Dissolve. We're going to keep it in the USA for the next few songs here. Uh, this is in California. This is Zaster, who I mentioned before as being another one of those bands that's kind of uh, held in really high regard. Um, I may have mentioned before, I have played one of their tunes on, a, on an older episode, but um, I probably mentioned before that uh, old Scott, the uh, main man here, he put this uh, project to bed and then decided he, he started another one called Nocturnal Poisoning that was not metal. It was just kind of like weird avant-garde, like almost bluegrass instrumental acoustic stuff. And um, after a while, he just said, you know what? Zaster is whatever I want it to be. So if I want to call this weird acoustic stuff Zaster, then that's exactly what I'm going to do. So he resurrected uh, the project, but now it's it's not metal at all. It's just a very strange um, acoustic music where he's just using odd keys and things like that. But um, yeah, even though his vocals were kind of weird, shrieky vocals, and they were always heavily like distorted, and there was always a lot of effects on them and things like that, um, so that part of it is not my favorite, but musically, Zaster is, uh, is phenomenal, atmospheric, um, depressive, uh, black metal, and to this day, if I'm, you know, I feel like you kind of need to confront, um, the way you're feeling head-on, so, like, music is a great way to do that, so if you are feeling down, I think that listening to really sad music is actually good, <laughs> you know, some people want to listen to stuff to cheer them up, but I think you kind of need to work through it uh, by listening to something that maybe just helps you uh, embrace whatever it is that you're feeling at the time. So to this day, if I'm having uh, a rough day, then I will listen to Zaster because it doesn't get much more uh, depressing than that. So um, one album of theirs that had the best sound, the best mix to me, was this one called To Violate the Oblivious, and that came out in July of 04 on Total Holocaust Records. It was the fourth uh, full-length album. And uh, that one, uh, he always uses a, a drum machine, so the drums, to me, are mixed uh, better. They're a little more upfront, so you can actually hear what's going on better than on some older uh, albums. But uh, both this album and Subliminal Genocide both have uh, excellent mixes, in my opinion. So this one, I believe there was an intro-type thing at the beginning of this album, and this is the first like real song that kicks in, but... Um, I always really liked this song. I bought this album back in like probably 2005. I didn't get it right when it came out or anything, but I did get it right around there, 2005 or so. And uh, I still have it. So great record. And this one is just like the standout tune to me. So here we go off of To Violate the Oblivious. This is Zaster with Zaster Within. <laughs>
right, that was Zaster with Zaster Within. Great record. Uh, that one and Subliminal Genocide to me are still uh, the best in the discography for sure. Though Subliminal Genocide uh, has a really long uh, total like running time, so that one's a bit of a, of a chore to get through start to finish, but it's a great record. Uh, okay, we're going to stay in the USA here out of San Antonio, Texas. This is a band that I've played twice before. It's called The Howling Void, and uh, the songs are typically quite long and very slow and very funeral doom and uh, great use of keyboards. I really like uh, the, the keys that he uses in his songs. Uh, but I double-checked maybe around, oh, maybe August or September of last year just to see, like, if he had released anything new. And he did in April, and it totally passed me by. So in April of 2019, he released this album called Bleak and Everlasting. And that's his seventh album overall, and this one came out on Avant-Garde Music. And um, very pleased to see that he's not only signed, but is signed to uh, an established label like that. Because his stuff is very good, and um, it, like some of the older stuff to me is is some of my favorite doom metal that I've ever heard. And I, I do tell people that this project is like one of my favorite uh, discoveries of the last couple of years. Like I had never even heard of him until probably 2018, and uh, once I found it for the first time and listened to it and loved it, I've just been uh, eating it up and really exploring the discography and checking for new stuff and things like that but um i feel like his last couple of releases have had an almost uplifting kind of vibe to them and then this one he hits us with this one called bleak and everlasting and it's uh this one is exactly how it sounds like it would be and it's uh it's darker and it kind of reminds me of some of his older stuff so i think it's uh, an excellent record but um but yeah i encourage you to check it out so here we go from san antonio off of the album bleak and everlasting this is the howling void with all the world is a grave
All right, that was The Howling Void with All the World is a Grave. Now, I know I typically only do 13 songs per episode, but I decided to give you a, a bit of a bonus this time around. So, uh, but before I announce the final song, I, of course, want to thank everybody for listening and thanks for telling others about the podcast. And if you want to tell somebody where they can listen, they can listen online at bloodandfireradio.podbean.com or on the free Podbean app, which I highly recommend. And, of course, the entire um, the entire list of uh, back catalog, I should say, of episodes is available on Spotify as well. So you can find it on Spotify and follow it. And, uh, yeah, if you want to send any sort of suggestions or feedback or requests or things like that, you can email me at bloodandfireradio at gmail.com. And then, of course, please find and like the Facebook page because any sort of posts uh, regarding... The, uh, the show or you know any sort of news regarding de- delays to an episode or asking questions like I did recently, asking uh, you know some ideas for a themed episodes and things like that. It's all going to be on the Facebook page. So. so yes, let's wrap this up. This is a band that I have played several times in previous episodes because speaking of uh, The Howling Void being one of my favorite discoveries of the last few years, this one is as well. This is a one-man band out of Aberdeen, Scotland called Hell Ripper, and Hell Ripper is releasing some fantastic black and thrash, and it's just like real speedy, um, classic metal type riffs, and his guitar work is so damn good, And um, but he plays everything, of course, on, on these releases, but the guitar work is really what stands out to me as well as his vocals, but he was uh, unsigned for a long period of time, and it just blew my mind that nobody would sign this dude. Because he was releasing awesome stuff, and um, he self-released his own uh, debut full-length album. and uh, But then, yeah, he finally got signed to Peaceville, so all good things come to those who wait. So, yeah, it took some, took some time there, but he is signed to a great label now. and um, But, yeah, he's yet to release anything under, the, uh, under Peaceville yet. But in April of last year, he released an EP through Reaper Metal Productions, called Black Arts and Alchemy, and uh, it's short, it's very short, it's four songs, and each of the songs are like three minutes long, but um, his songs have always been short and sweet and fast, and it's just really stellar black and thrash, and I thought that that would be a nice high-energy way to end the episode, because I always seem to end my episodes with a really long song or a really doomy song, uh, just like The Howling Void, but um, I decided I would change it up and end with something pretty uh, fast-paced here. So thanks again for listening, everybody, and I will be back in a couple of weeks with a normal episode. So cheers, everyone. This is Hell Ripper with Headless Angels. Headless Angels.